In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today's Gospel comes from uh, the Gospel of Saint Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, it wasn't very difficult to do that. They had crazy ideas. So now the Pharisees get together to disconcert him. And one of them put a question. Master, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest of the first commandment. The second resembles it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Of these two commandments, on these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets also. So he was referring to these 613 commandments that are now condensed into two, where he quotes. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all, the, all your mind. And then Leviticus about loving your neighbor. These two commandments to love God and love neighbor are, are like two sides of the same truth. If you could say the, like the two tablets when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the, with the commandments, you know, with the Decalogue, they are prefigured like the two tablets because they prefigured the two most fundamental ones to love God and to love neighbor. But let us stop now as we reflect on this fundamental truth that the Lord says you must love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole soul and your whole mind. That is all the internal faculties. It's this unconditional love of God and the second of course is a result of that unconditional love of heart, soul, and mind. The second, that is, to love man because he is made in the image of God. Every human being is made in the image of God. Now, the same exchange also appears in St. Mark, and the, the Lord's answer is the same, but there's a slight, slight difference. If you can just gloss over it, you get, might miss it. He says... Um, that same answer, what is the most important commandment, he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So he's going soul, then mind, and with all your strength. So he adds that part in St. Mark, with all your strength. So heart, soul, mind, but strength too, right? And uh, this means uh, that we have to give all our faculties, but all the best of ourselves. We can't give the Lord our scraps, uh, just barely give Him what we can conjure up, if you like. No, all our might has to hone in to this most fundamental uh, prescription. Our strength, our quality, our best qualities, our best efforts, 
Our best graces that we have received from God have to be have to be handed over to this. The gifts we've all received some gifts, and it's kind of like strength, meaning our kind of external abilities, our external powers. I don't know. <coughs> I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the the Jews praying in front of the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Somebody told me about that that they they had seen they'd gone to the to Jerusalem and then they were in front of the Wailing Wall and they saw these these Jews there praying with their with the law in their hands uh, and maybe the Mishnah and they were praying and you you could see they would rock back and forth or swaying back and forth I believe it's there's a name for that uh, in Yiddish but this fellow saw these Jews swaying back and forth with their long hair and so forth and their and their vestments. And he asked, why, why are they praying, rocking back and forth like that? You know? And uh, well, he was told that, well, as they're praying, these are internal actions, but they felt, because of this commandment, that this was not enough simply to pray internally, but to express that prayer externally by their physical strength and the idea of rocking, I don't know, somehow it was expressed in that movement. Right? Others said it was a way to keep awake, you know, because, uh, you know, the way to sort of put a rhythm in there. But it has something to do with their external strength. And, and so it's clear that we want to see how this can be appreciated in our life, to love, to love the Lord your God with your first with your whole heart. And, uh, and, and we love the Lord with our heart, but with, our, with all the strength we can conjure up, for some, it's intellectual study. Some, it's the work that we, we can offer to God. But also, the whole area of our intellectual formation, you know, intellectual knowledge, how much time do you dedicate, for example, to your knowledge of the faith, right? Um, the knowledge of the, of the scriptures, what the Old Testament is, uh, the Bibles. For many, all the knowledge of spiritual nature has all been kind of atrophied in it because they don't exercise, they don't think about it. They, don't dev- they could, it's not that they're dumb, they're, they're not dumb, but they don't necessarily invest time in their spiritual formation, whether it's scripture, whether it's spiritual formation in, in spiritual direction. You know, and um, it's as though there's no strength there. That's what happens when you're atrophied. You have no strength. But what does the Lord mean when he says you must love the Lord your God with your whole heart? What is he really saying? There? And how does this apply to you and me? I mean, of course, we understand heart really means the core, the central core of who we are. I mean, the word core, as in something that's, that's, that's a core, it's in Latin, core, cordis, means heart, cor cordis. In, in Spanish, you all know, corazón means to have heart. And so, what does that mean? Well, it means that if you have a heartfelt relationship with God, that means in some way it moves beyond the simple formalities, the niceties, the correctness. There's something deeper, more genuine that is going on there. And it's, you know, you can see that something. Some know that they must go to Mass, and they, well, I gotta go. it's my Sunday obligation, I gotta go to Mass, I gotta, you know, okay, and... And they know the teaching that they're supposed to do this, but maybe their mind is elsewhere, and even worse, maybe their heart is not deeply affected by their piety. It's somewhat maybe distant, 
Now, when the Lord says we have to love the Lord with all your heart, it doesn't mean we have to get emotional or passionate in the, in the, in the sense of experiencing an emotional upheaval, but our, our deepest identity has to be involved there. And I've experienced this. For some people, the idea of loving God with all their heart, it's as though it seems too challenging. It, because why they become very aware of their own limitations, their miseries, their flaws, and it's as though like that's too much pressure. I can't. I have my problems, right? and it's as though there were too much distance between their heart, right, and their mind, their soul, right? and it's as though they're afraid just to go all out, just give themselves totally, right? and. Uh, you know, for some, you see this in young people today. They they don't have coherent answers to why there's like why, why there's evil or, or certain moral precepts, uh, why we can't do this. You see that they they when they face existential questions or even metaphysical questions, eh, not everything seems all that coherent to them. It's as though they're not ready just to go all out. They say, well, I, I believe this thing of the church and that thing, but this, uh, you know, this moral precept, it's wrong to do the uh, sexuality or something. No, no, that's, uh, you know. So, so they don't, somehow they've left a piece of their heart. Their heart almost is coagulated there, right? But Lord, you are inviting us now with this precept that you have summarized to really live with a unity of life and that unity is centered in where is my heart? The way we love, the way we think of you, the impact on our deepest identity, that is our soul, and, but also our strength, how much we invest in the truth of our faith and our relationship with God. We can ask that. How do I approach God when I pray? How am I approaching Him right now? Is he for you, is God for you always an angry God? Just like waving his fingers at you. Ah, I saw you did that. Uh, I saw that, you know. And uh, Nothing is ever good enough, we think. So, as though he were ready to cast us away. That is what scrupulous people suffer from. They have an image of God who is like super demanding, and is never happy. Never. Just no matter what they do. And they forget some tiny thing that they forgot to do. Uh, uh, I don't know, the distraction in prayer, and they, and they actually begin to see it as like mortal sin. They see everything in terms of mortal sin. And somewhere there, their heart is not present. They're, they're in the realm of legality, of whether this is mortal sin or not mortal sin. Do I have to confess this or not? Well, we must ask ourselves in front of this commandment, is my view of God, is my approach to God somewhat, in any way, distorted? Or is my heart just not there? Is it in any way kind of performance-based? Like, I have to do the right performances. Meaning, if all I'm doing is right external performances, I'm not really involving my heart, I'm not really giving my soul, I'm not really giving my mind. Yet these things are deeply interconnected. They, they are all ultimately powered 
by the heart, the core of our being. And we can't be divided, you know, like half and half. You know, it's interesting, you know, today we celebrate the, uh, the famous uh, French priest, uh, Saint Jean Eudes, who, who became a priest and then became very concerned with the formation of priests, you know, and, and also he saw a lot of problems with women who were being mistreated and you know, moral issues with many women, so he took care of them and, and took care of their formation and, and, you know, he really gave his life for that, and just especially for priests. He saw that priests, okay, though they had dedicated themselves to God, often they just lacked, completely lacked, real basic knowledge eh, of the faith. And so he dedicated himself to that, and one of the things he insisted a lot on was the love of the Sacred Heart, eh? and the Sacred Heart, and, and well, the Sweetheart of Mary as well. Now, I'm not, I can't remember now if this was after or before the, the story of, you know, Mary, Margaret Mary Alacoque, who saw the vision of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. You know, before that, the Sacred Heart was in like, you know, how can you say, well entrenched in, in popular tradition and in popular piety, but with the visions that St. Mary, Margaret Mary Alacoque had, she saw now uh, the Lord who appeared to her and spoke to her, but with this blazing, blazing, ardent heart in front of her, right? and how this brought a, uh, just a revolution or a kind of revival in the love of the Sacred Heart. Right? And um, with the, the rays of love coming from his heart. But it was his heart. It was, it's as though, you know, God, you know, is loving us with all his heart. Like, God is not just going through externals when he loves us. You know, if we could really love God with all our heart, well, something very unique would happen to us. Like, if we could give ourselves to him completely, because we would start to be able to love like he loved, like he loves now. That is, we would begin to have a heart like his. We would see others with the same dignity, with their needs. We would overcome our resistance to people that we find difficult or in some way annoying. We would really love them as they are. And... Uh, that means seeing the dignity of every child of God, every person, no matter who they are. You know, yesterday I, I saw a small group of young people, they're holding some placards uh, with aborted fetuses and people were passing by and just disregarding them or something, you know, being rather rough with them uh, because they're holding, you know, placards there with bloodied fetuses, right? And they're trying to instill in people a sense that this is a, you know, a human child and the dignity of the child. And uh, it is really terrible to think how blind, or I don't know if you can call it blind, but how willfully blind, perhaps, people are to the humanity of the, of the fetus. Eh? And even the word fetus is, is not good enough. It should be called a developing child. It's a son or daughter of God. Just as how horrible it is to call abortion health care. I heard somebody say that to call abortion health care is like calling rape lovemaking. The two are absolutely have nothing to do with each other. Imagine calling rape, oh, that, that was lovemaking, yeah, right. Well, abortion is, is health care. Well, they're completely opposite. And so, 
if we really gave ourselves to God with our whole heart, suddenly we would see the dignity of those around us. Our behavior would somehow change. A refinement would set in. Now, this is a, a commandment or a law of the Old Testament. To love the Lord your God with your whole heart. And, the, and then love your neighbor. And one of the things that came about that, that is a custom among the patriarchs, uh, and uh, it was in the Old Testament, that this beautiful custom of blessing people and blessing houses even. And that has, of course, been passed on uh, to the New Covenant in, in our times. You know, I'm sometimes invited to bless homes. Eh? It's always a great joy to do that. Eh? And, um, and I myself am quite touched or I'm moved maybe when I hear somebody say that expression, God bless you, Father. God bless you. Eh? It, it's as though they're wishing the best on that person. When they, you hear somebody say to you, God bless you, they're, they're thinking, you know, God should give you the best in some way. And it is important to repeat to ourselves that we are indeed blessed by God. We have life. Repeat it to yourself so that you get it anchored into your, into your heart, your soul, and you do believe that you have been blessed. And uh, in fact, I would invite you now, in the presence of God, to honestly discover more frequently, do it even now, the ways in which God blesses you every day. Every day. Hmm? Maybe he blessed you last night with a good dream. You, know? you had a great dream of some adventure that happened. And, yeah. Or with the help of a brother of yours. Uh, or you're, you know, you're reading a great book and then this phrase pops out at you and just... Wow, you think that's amazing, you know? It just hits you at the bottom of your heart. You know, you can read the gospel like that, and our Lord touches us, He blesses us, making us see a passage from the Psalms or, you know, that we didn't see before or didn't pick up on it before. If we were more aware of the, of the blessings that God has given us, we would be led to more thanksgiving, which is an expression of loving God with our whole heart and our whole mind and our, and our whole soul. But of course, sometimes God blesses with the cross. He blesses. Like he, like he did with His Son, His only begotten Son. Did He not love Jesus Christ infinitely? Well, He blessed Him with the pain of the cross because this, the cross was meaningful. It had salvific purpose. And when he blesses us with the cross, with a contradiction, with a hardship, a mean, mean person, uh, uh, you know, a physical pain, a headache, I don't know, a, a failure, a human failure, we lose our job, we're humiliated. We must see those things as a blessing because it's as though he's blessing us because he, he wants us to, to go up higher. He wants us to step it up. To go one step closer to Him. And He was on the cross. Because He's trying to treat us like He treated His only begotten Son. He blesses with the cross. That's why St. Josemaria would use that phrase that he had written on altar cloths and stuff. In uh, Aditya Nula Dia Sine Cruce. Enjoy no day without 
the cross. In joy, in joy, no day without the cross. In Letizia, no day, no day without the cross. Because, because God blesses with the cross. But he also blesses with joyful things, with a great barbecue. It's good to, to be aware of the blessings. So yeah, the day as it was in Vancouver, we decided to go on a trip to Seattle, and um, we were in the sort of harbor area. I think it's called the Pike area or something. Anyway, it's, it's like a harbor area, and it's like the trendy area, and all the, you know, the hipsters are there, and we saw the place where Starbucks uh, was started and all that. And uh, so I, I'm crossing the street, and this, this young man with dreadlocks stops in front of me, and he looks at me with, you know, with a, with a smile and says, Father, can you bless me, Father? And uh, so I said, well, yeah, sure. And there's people walking back. You know, I'm on the crosswalk, you know, and there's people walking back and forth. So I said, yeah, sure, sure. So I, so I just immediately, you know, I thought, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. You know, and then I said, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he said, in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, and he said it really loud. You know, in Jesus' name, and uh, so it's as though he was acknowledging the blessing eh, as something that came from Jesus. And uh, well, it did. It did turn a few heads. You know, it kind of turned my head too. You know, but uh, but nevertheless, he, we must remember he does bless us with the cross. He does bless us with pain sometimes. But we must seek to understand those moments in our heart. Otherwise, they just stay as annoying, difficult things that we escape from on the surface. They must not just be there abstractly in our mind. Like the bread that the Lord took in his hands when he came to Emmaus with those two disciples, he broke the bread. Well, God breaks us. You know, he broke the bread, gave it to us. The disciples, that's when they recognized him. And we must recognize him. He, we are wounded. We are born with a kind of... We, we're damaged goods. We're damaged goods. We are limited. We don't know our own back. We don't see our own back. Or what is happening in the next room. Our life is a kind of a... It's a process. We go through wear and tear and friction with a world that is quite secularized and quite harsh sometimes. And not only that, but we sin. We are sinners. We sin frequently. We've made mistakes. There are negative consequences that may be still in force for us. And sometimes our intelligence our will, even our heart, is not always in shape or in the shape that we would like them to be. Because we're weak, we're fragile, we're limited. And we can easily succumb, succumb to, to sadness or, or discouragement. And indeed, it, it kind of scares us to discover our dark side. But despite that fact that we see those the dark side sometimes. We must remember that God loves us. And we must love Him with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind. And we must love the others because they were made in His image. No matter what they may have done. You know, strangely, it came to mind uh, 
a rather very harsh, or I would say, I would call it that, violent movie a few years ago called uh, Seven. It's one of the most oh, whoa, intense movies I've seen. And uh, it's, it's the story of uh, these, well, it's Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. But, but, so Morgan Freeman plays this uh, seasoned, uh, soon-to-retire lieutenant. And he's a detective. And Brad Pitt is this idealistic rookie who wants to solve all the problems in the world. And they're, they're chasing down this sadistic, kind of psychopathic serial killer. You can't get worse than that, right? So, and they're trying to figure out you know, what he's done and how he's... And, and it's called Seven because he kills people based on the seven deadly sins, like gluttony and greed and sloth and lust and pride. and All the people he kills are around those things. It's just awful, just absolutely awful what he does. I mean, just beyond awful. And Brad Pitt is starting to freak out at what this guy's done. And Morgan Freeman, who, Freeman who's the older, you know, more, you know, experienced uh, detective, he says to him, when we find this perpetrator, the perpetrator of these crimes, we will not meet a monster. We will meet a man. And Brad Pitt is there, what? <laughs> you know, he says, yeah, we will meet a man. And well, okay, it's a, he's a pretty bad man, you know, but, but it's, as though, it's as though he is evoking the dignity even of this psychopath. And that's why St. John says in his first letter, we should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Anyone, he says, who hates brother or sister, he says, is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life. So even if we hate, you know, if we really love the Lord our God, we will not hate anybody. And uh, even we can somehow understand even the worst of criminals because the worst miseries some way in somehow appear also in our hearts too. And uh, it's very important there, therefore that even our ugliest wounds, even our ugliest things can still in some way be under the blessing of God. Let's try to ask the Lord at least that. Lord, help me to see the ways in which you have blessed me. Whether they're humanly speaking like apparently good things or humanly th things that are difficult. That is when he blesses us with the cross. And we must remember, he does that because he has a heartfelt love for us. Like it's a, it, you know, it, it comes out of the depths of God's love. His sacred heart. That's what loves us. And we too are called to imitate that, to embrace that sacred heart, to love Him with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind, and then conjure up all the strength we can find. So our Blessed Mother, who appears there next to Jesus also, with, we call her the Sweetheart of Mary. In some ways it's also, of course, the Sacred Heart. We ask her to intercede for us, especially when we find it very difficult to love others 
or when we're just kind of on the surface and we just kind of go through the emotions with God, we don't really uh, give ourselves over completely. We're too afraid to go all the way. Let's ask her. She was totally pure. She was able to go all the way with her whole heart, whole mind, her body. She's the Immaculate Virgin. That's the greatest blessing she could have received. So she'll intercede for us that we can also go all the way. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.